0: You can be seated. We welcome you again to Edge Church. Uh, this week, the CEO of Children's Hospital of Colorado declared a state of emergency in pediatric mental health for the first time in the history of the Aurora Hospital. Uh, Jenna Hosman, the CEO of Children's Colorado, said pediatric emergency. The Pediatric Emergency Department is being overrun with kids attempting suicide and suffering from other forms of mental health illnesses. Um, In the last two years, Children's Colorado has seen a 90% increase in demand for treatment, uh, according to the hospital news releases. Isolation and stress among pediatric patients during the pandemic has resulted in massive suicide attempts. David Brumbaugh, the MD of the chief medical officer at the hospital, said that he's been there 20 years and he's never seen anything like it before. It's a massive crisis. But in addition to the mental health crisis going on in our own city, we also see the uptick of crime, last the end of last year, the city of Aurora said that armed assaults were up 34%. Murders were up 72%. Robberies up 31%. Violent crimes up 24%. Vehicle, uh, motor vehicle thefts up 53%. Burglaries up 13%. All of the major categories, we see an uptick in crime. And we look at our culture, and we look at our city, and we see so many, many problems. Habakkuk the prophet spoke in a time in the history of Judah that was much like today. Violence was on the rise. Social meltdowns were occurring. People were scared and uncertain about the future. And all of these social problems remind us how much we need God. God is the only hope that our country and our city has. We need God. And God is the only solution to lawlessness, immorality, violence, and other problems. It is with that in mind that Habakkuk began to pray to the Lord. And he said in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, How long, Lord... Must I call for your help and you do not listen or cry out or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at the injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges for the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Habakkuk begins a conversation with God about what's going on in his own city, and his own country there, and then the little nation of Judah. And he says, God, where you been? God, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. Lord, we need an intervention from you, Lord. And God goes through a series of conversations with habakkuk the prophet and he says to him oh i got plans habakkuk i got some plans that you wouldn't even believe if i told you the plans it's amazing what my plans may be habakkuk but habakkuk begins inquiring of the lord and he says god we need some help we need we need a spiritual revival we need a a, an awakening we need a return to god Uh, Dr. Stephen Olford defines revival as the sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, faith, and obedience. And if you look back through the history of our country, um, we have had those moments. It's been a while, but uh, one of my favorite revivals happened in 1857 and 1858. It was called the Layman's Prayer Revival. It wasn't led by pastors or ministers. It was led by lay people. And uh, a layman by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere gathered some businessmen to begin to pray at lunchtime in New York City um, for spiritual awakening and revival. They would pray from 12 to 1 o'clock. When 1 o'clock came, everybody went back to the office and those, that prayer movement continued to grow. And over the next few months, more than 6,000 people were gathering in churches in various places all over the city of New York. Uh, Pittsburgh began to do the same thing, and pr- similar prayer groups in Washington, D.C. were begun. And uh, by May, uh, this started in September, but by May of 1858, more than 50,000 uh, people in New York had committed their lives to Christ. And uh, there, there were only 800,000 people that lived in New York at that time. So that's about 20% of the people came to Christ in, in, in just a few months. And it all started with prayer. And there have been many other movements that have taken place that have shaped our country. And boy, we need one today, don't we? You know, after the Revolutionary War... Historians tell us that only about 10% of Americans attended church, and uh, this led to the First Great Awakening, which uh, was a great spiritual movement that took place in Britain and in the colonies. Um, At the end of the First Great Awakening, there were more than 350 new churches that were started throughout New England, and uh, 50,000 American converts uh, not to mention the ones in, in Europe, but uh, it was amazing. And you know, whenever there's a spiritual awakening, great social outcomes happen as well. Um, several of the, the great universities of our country were started by people that were touched by the first great awakening. Dartmouth, Brown, Rutgers, and Princeton were all started to educate pastors and to teach the Bible um, as a result of the First Great Awakening. The Second Great Awakening happened later. It was instrumental in mo- mo- motivating Americans to abolish slavery. And so whenever people turn their hearts to God, spiritual awakening happens and also social change begins to happen because people are listening to God. I- I've called the message today, Wake Up, because I think that it's time for our country To wake up. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for us as individuals to wake up spiritually speaking. And I want us to look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, because in this prayer, in this verse, the prophet uh, outlines for us three parts of revival prayer. We want God to do something great again in our nation, in our city in our country and it begins with prayer and here's what Habakkuk said in chapter 3 verse 2 Lord I have heard the report about you Lord I stand in awe of your deeds and so he says Lord I've heard the report Uh, what what report was he talking about well uh, this is a time in the history of Israel where there was what we call the divided kingdom there was a northern kingdom So there were Jews that lived in the north and there were Jews that lived in the south. Judah was the south, Israel was the north, and the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrian empire right before, uh, a few years before Habakkuk had this conversation with God and they were destroyed by the Assyrian nation because the people's hearts had had turned so far away from the Lord. And so this report that he's talking about is he's saying, listen, listen. Our northern neighbors have have been conquered by the Assyrians. And and in the context of Habakkuk, God says, listen, if you guys don't get it together, you're going to suffer a similar fate. You're going to be conquered by the Babylonians. And and so it's time to get your heart right. It's time to turn to God. And it's time to listen to me. If you keep reading in Habakkuk chapter 3, he talks about... The parting of the Red Sea and the de- deliverance of of the uh, Israelite people from Egyptian captivity, and, and so um, this was one of the great moments in all of Hebrew history. I mean, God sent the ten plagues on the people uh, on the on the uh, Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea. The people walk through the desert. They don't have any food to eat, and God provides quail and manna and. I mean, it's spectacular. It's amazing. And Habakkuk is being reminded by God about the great things that God has done. Listen, if we're going to experience spiritual awakening and revival, we have to listen to what God has done. We have to listen to what God has done in biblical history. We have to listen to what God has done in our own history. We have to look back. We have to listen. Now, a lot of times we think of prayer... As a conversation or, you know, like, I'm telling God this. But, but uh, when we pray, prayer is not so much about us enlightening God. You know, I don't think God's in heaven and says, you know what? He shared with me about his problem. I never thought about it that way. Thank you so much for informing me. You know? um, prayer is about us connecting with God And part of prayer is listening to what God wants to say to us. And God speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us through the church. Um, God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? And the reason that we get into so much trouble is because many times we're not listening to the things that God has to say to us. We're too busy doing our own thing, pursuing our own agenda our own objectives and goals and, and whatever it may be. And, and Habakkuk says, listen, um, for us to experience a revival and a spiritual awakening, we have, to, we have to hear the report of the Lord. we got to listen to what God has done and to what God is saying to us and what God wants from us. Um, this is a, a extremely important. It's God's report. Part of God's report for us today might be 1 John 1 9, where he says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can God revive our hearts? It begins by confession of sin, it begins by saying, God, listen, I got some struggles, I got some difficulties. I want to make those right. God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Lord. And then the Bible says, God is always faithful to forgive the sins that we confess. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that incredible? I mean, we serve a good and a faithful God. Uh, Acts 3.19 goes on and says, therefore, repent and turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped out. This is the beginning of revival. This is the beginning of God awakening our hearts to the things that he wants to do in our lives. And God wants to have a relationship with us and we have to listen to the things that he's saying to us if we want to do that. Um, So are we listening to God? Are we doing what God has said? Or are we just kind of living by our own agenda and going our own direction? Um, Throughout scripture... God always blesses the people who listen to him. I mean, you could start at the book of Genesis. You could finish at the book of Revelation. People who listen and do what God says are always blessed. And at the same time, people who don't listen to God always have big problems and are never blessed. And, and it's just one of those biblical principles. So we, we got to listen. We got to listen to what God is saying to us. He says, I have heard the report about you. But uh, Habakkuk moves on and he says a second thing. And he says, listen, uh, revival prayer is not just about listening. It is also about worship. It's also about worship. He says, I stand in awe of your deeds. You see, when we stand in awe of the deeds of the Lord, that's worship. Look at verse 2 there. Lord, I've heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. I mean, he says, listen, God, this is amazing. The things that you have done are remarkable. Um, You you parted the Red Sea, he says, later in chapter 3. And if we're not careful, the miraculous things that God has done can become the mundane. If we're not careful, the extraordinary can become the ordinary in our lives. And sometimes we just forget about the great things that God has done. He says, I stand in awe of your deeds. That's worship. That's worship. Uh, Jesus called Simon Peter to walk on the water. I mean, that, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. Uh, back in the book of Exodus, the Israelites are wandering around the, the, the desert looking for the promised land and they don't have any water and they complain to Moses Moses take us back to Egypt we would so much rather just you know just die in captivity and you know this is terrible out here and what does Moses do Moses takes his staff and he hits a rock and when he hits that rock water comes out of it that's incredible that's amazing And the message that that Moses had for the people was the same God who delivered us in Egypt is the same God that's going to take care of us in the desert. God doesn't just take care of us in the past. Do you believe that? God is taking care of us in the future. God can meet your needs today as well as he has always met your needs. You know, sometimes we look back and see great things God has done in our lives and we're like, Man, you know, 10 years ago, that was awesome. And then we, we forget to connect that to the present. It's the same God. God is still working. God is still moving. Now, he may be doing it a new way, and he may have a, a, a new perspective, and, and God may do different things today than he did a decade ago, but he's still the same God And when Habakkuk thought about the great things that he had heard that God had done, he said, God, I stand in awe of you. Listen, a great revival, a great movement of the spirit of God comes when we are in awe of God. Where we sit around and we go, man, God is so amazing. I cannot believe the great things that God has done. I am in awe, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had the answers. And then all of a sudden, God blew me away. Wow. Do you remember the day that you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember when you had a big need and God delivered on that big need? Do you remember when our church had a big need and God showed up in a big big way? We should live in awe of God. Uh, In the Old Testament, people built altars to commemorate God's great works and and you could start at the book of Genesis and you could look all the way through the Old Testament and people built these altars and in Genesis 35 uh, verse 7 God tells Jacob to build an altar at a place called Bethel because it was at Bethel that Jacob met God and he was running from his brother Esau and he was running and running and running and, and and he had an encounter with god and then god tells him many years later to go back to go back to the same place and to build an altar why did he tell them to build an altar he wanted him to remember what god had done he wanted him to remember he wanted him to look back and to commemorate those those that that climactic moment you know um gina and i love to write in our bible when god does something great We'll put the date, we'll put the event. You know, sometimes it's just one word because we want to remember the great things that God has done. Listen, the only way we can live in awe of God is to remember what God has done before us. Um, there was a time where Gina and I didn't think that we would ever have children. And uh, the, a few days before Gina was to give birth to, to our firstborn, to Zane, um, I gave her a Mother's Day present because it was around, around May. Um, and the Mother's Day present was a cross necklace with a mother and child in the middle of it. And, and she, she, she's kept that and, and she remembers that. And, and, and we love that necklace because it, it helps us remember what God did. Do, do you have some things in your home that, that remind you of what God has done? Do you, do you have some pictures on the wall? Do you, do you have some, some, some objects or some things like that? And when you see them, you're like, God was so faithful. God was so good. I remember when. And, and, and we look back, and I was looking at some photos last night at the house, and it, I was just reminded of the goodness and the greatness of God. We have a lot of problems in our lives, and in our country, but we serve a really big God. (laughs) We serve a really big God. And the more that we could live in awe of God, the more that we begin to transform our own perspectives. Revival requires us to understand and to live in awe of God. But Habakkuk moves on and he, he, he begins to petition God. And he says, God, listen, I I want you to awaken the people. I'm asking God. That's what petition is. Petition is asking God to do specific things. And part of revival prayer should be praying, God, revive my heart. God, awaken our city, our state, our country. God, send us a great. Revival. Send us a great revival. Uh, In 2009, about 50% of Americans were practicing Christians. Unfortunately, 11, 12 years later, that number dropped down to 25%. Half. Half. In just over a decade. Can you believe that? We see the rise of atheism. We see the rise of secularism almost all of our christian values are under assault what is the answer revive your work revive your work this was the prayer of the prophet habakkuk he lived in a similar time and he said god revive your work in these years and make known make and make it known in these years where did these 25% or half of these practicing Christians go, well, you know, many people have become um, non-believers. The growth of atheism has been staggering in, in the last few years. Uh, agnostics or, or no religious orientation. Um, uh, many people uh, also have just become non-practicing Christians. Did you know during the uh, pandemic, we've seen one-third of all Christian people that were previously attending church, stop attending. One-third. One-third. It's sad. We have to return to God. We have to be praying, God, revive the work. God, revive the church. God, revive your ministry here on this earth. That's what we need. We need God to revive the work. We need God to revive the work in our own church. We need God to revive the work in the student ministry. You know, I mentioned earlier about the the massive mental health issues that are going on with teenagers today. That's why we need a robust, strong, spirit-led, Bible-centered, Christ-focused student ministry. And we need to be praying, God, revive the work. That's why we need concerned parents and adults in the church to say, you know what? I care about the next generation of kids and I want to be involved, I want to serve, I want to be a part of reviving the work. The same is true in our children's ministry, in our kids' ministry. The kids today, elementary school kids, will be teenagers tomorrow and adults the next day. And we need to be investing in the next generation. We need to be praying, God, revive the work. We want to have a strong, powerful kids' ministry here at the church. And that is true from top to bottom Uh, with our Bible studies, with our Christian basic studies, with our teaching, with all that we're doing, we're praying, God, revive the work. God, revive the work. Let us go back to the days where our country turned to God and where our communities were focused on Christ and His church and the good things that God was doing. Um, this week, I did some reading about the Denver revival of 1905. See, many of you didn't even know this happened. <laughs> I Googled it, and I found nothing, but I, I I had a friend that sent me the articles, and, and a friend of mine um, had some research that had been done. In 1905, this is interesting, in Denver, only about 150,000 people lived in Denver in 1905. Did you know that? This was kind of like the Wild West. This is where the gunslingers and the the you know uh the gold uh, uh diggers and all the folks that, that that that's who lived in denver back in the day, okay people that were running away you know a bunch of thieves and criminals and all that well in nineteen o five the churches got together and they divided the city up into ten districts and they had uh revival services for eighteen eighteen days eighteen days in a row, and they had uh, you know, the south section met here, and the southeast over here, and the north there. And they gathered at churches and theaters, and they had uh, revival services. And they, uh, businesses closed down. Um, city and county offices closed. The, the mayor of Denver and the governor of Colorado were involved. And the gatherings took place for 18 days. They said at the end of that, 111,000 people attended the revival services, and nearly 4,000 people gave their lives to Christ in an 18-day period. Is that amazing? It's one of the most incredible things that's ever happened in the Western United States. And as far as I know, we've never had anything like that ever again or since then. We need to be praying, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, what you did... 150 years ago, 100 years ago, thousands of years ago, you're the same God, revive the work, do it again. And Psalm 85, 6 says, will you not revive us again so that your people can rejoice in you? You see, one of the outcomes of revival is that the people celebrate and there's joy. Because there's nothing more wonderful than seeing people's hearts ignited for Jesus. It it brings great joy. It brings great blessing. It brings brings a, a great hope to, to all of us that are listening. And that's why we need to wake up. We need to wake up because God has so many things that he wants to do. And we need to be praying, God, do it again. God, revive the work. God, God, what you did in the days of old, do it again. And our generation, we don't wanna just read about revival. We don't wanna just hear about revival. We wanna experience it here on earth, and in our own city, in our own generation. So what do we have to do? We've got to listen. I've heard the report about you. We have to worship. I stand in awe of you. We have to petition, Lord, revive the work. It's time to wake up, church. Let's wake up and let's fulfill everything that God has called us to do. Would you pray with me?